Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a brand new episode of Off the Top Roast Podcast. I'm one third of your host, Shizlinski. We got Nick Youngblood. We got Nick Youngblood over here. We got Nick Necro over here. What's going on, y'all boys? What up? How you doing, guys? Yeah, man. Uh, I just want to take a quick shout out <laughs> to Anchor FM for giving us the platform to make our podcast. Much love and appreciation. If you don't have it, download it. Anchor.fm through the laptop, through the web browser, or you go on to iTunes or Google Play and type down Anchor. You'll find it easiest way to make a podcast. And also, shout out to me for my 30th birthday today. Whoop, whoop. Yay. Whoop, whoop. Welcome to the club. <laughs> Happy birthday. 30 Thank you, thank you. Much love, much love. As we keep growing, we're going to keep growing and more success. So, today's episode is part two of episode one of the season premiere of Dark of the, the Dark Side of the Ring, part two of the Christian Wall story. Um, I mean, dude, I feel like y'all two, one of y'all should go first because I was the last one to watch it. So, it kind of, you know, Sunk to me a little deeper than expected after watching last night before going to sleep, and I thought about something in my dream. I'm still trying to figure my way how to come up with the words for it. So why don't Nick Necro you go first? I know you was definitely the driving force behind this topic, so I feel like you should be going first this time. Most definitely. I I appreciate you uh, letting me go first because um <clears throat> it really like I know the situation affects all of us, but um. He was by far one of my all-time favorites. And I still not defending his actions because it was a horrible situation what happened. But defend his wrestling legacy to this day. And I wholeheartedly believe that as tragic as the situation was, it really opened the eyes of the WWE to how bad concussions can be and how real CTE is. So it's sad that a tragedy had to happen, but it really changed the way that WWE runs itself now. And it's way safer for the talent, which is extremely important now. And this was just a prime example of why. And we're seeing it even still when they released the documentary about Aaron Hernandez, he also had CTE. So it's sad that it had to be Chris Benoit, especially since I personally loved him completely as a wrestler. He was absolutely and in my childhood when he was alive in my top three. He, when you thought SmackDown, you thought Chris Benoit, Eddie Guerrero, Edge. He was the one of the guys, and to have his whole legacy be completely scrubbed is is so disheartening and I get why they do it. And I understand why Jim Ross even said in the documentary that he will never be in the hall of fame. And it's sad. I think if I know this is going to be a very controversial topic to any wrestling fan, but I honestly think with an asterisk 
next to his name and a cliff note saying what happened and explaining saying that, but this opened up safer treatment of you okay? The hall of state. can't hear you. Okay. Oh. He kind of you... was just like moving stag back and forth before um, your last sentence. So, so well, could you repeat that for the listeners that didn't get a chance to hear that just in case we can't edit this out? Yes. What was the last sentence you heard me say? Um, that basically that he was one of the guys that you thought about when he came to the SmackDown brand, along with Eddie Guerrero, Edge, Rey Mysterio. Okay. In SmackDown Six. Okay. Yep. Yep. So this is going to be a very controversial topic for any wrestling fan, and I know that some people will hate me for saying it, and some people will agree with me. But I will explain why. I think not only Chris, but Nancy. Both of them should be in the Hall of Fame in some way, shape, or form because she made an impact on the women's division too. She was one of the first ever women managers, and she made that role. But as for him, you can't deny his accolades. You can't they, – they try to erase it. Every, I remember every Royal Rumble, they try to erase it by saying, Shawn Michaels and someone else both entered at number one. Will it happen this year? They never say it was Chris Benoit. You can't scrub a WrestleMania victory. You can't scrub a WrestleMania main event. You just can't do it. And his whole life was wrestling. You you guys watched the documentary. I think it was Chris Jericho that said it. Um, if you told him that his actions would erase his entire legacy and change how people viewed him, he wouldn't have. He it would have crushed him. And if you told him that him doing what he did could have destroyed the whole industry. It would have crushed him. He was not in his right mind. I believe he, in some aspect, deserves to be in the Hall of Fame with an asterisk or a little cliff note next to his name explaining what happened and the dangers of CTE and how it impacted the future of WWE. I know people are, are going to be all pissy, like, oh, PC era because of this. Well, if it wasn't for this, do you know how many more tragedies would have happened? It's sad, the circumstances, but it needs to be known. It needs to be addressed. It's, it's, and it's unfair completely. I think Chris Jericho said this too. It's completely unfair to Nancy. She also deserved to be in the Hall of Fame. It was an all-over all sad documentary. It, it, it crushed me, like, the first part. It's... It, made me relive it. I mean, I was a kid at the time. I understood what death was, but it didn't hit me till like way later down the line. And I know we're probably going to get into these topics later, but some things, uh, even after um, they had an after special where they showed some scenes that they didn't show, some things really hit me in the stomach about it too because apparently people are, people are still harassing his living son. And people are still harassing Chavo Guerrero. People are still tweeting Chavo Guerrero saying, oh, the dogs are in the backyard or whatever that last text message that Chris said to him was. And that's just disgusting. That is absolutely disgusting. It's just, it's, it's, it's sad. Well, I feel like I, I, I'm kind of taking a lot of the time here, so I'll pass the mic over to Youngblood. Uh, 
I'm sure I'll be piping in more about this because it it honestly it means a lot to me this situation it it really impacted me as a wrestling fan and kind of changed how I viewed the business for a while. But anyway, I'm I'm gonna pass it off. Um. Yeah, young boy, you got the floor. I'm still. I'm gonna be the last one talking here because I know I'm probably gonna take up some time, but not too much. So you go on ahead. All right, that's cool. That's cool. Um, but you know these things they they have people like myself thinking, and um, to reiterate to what I said. In part one, you know, I said that I believe that he didn't do it. Now, that's only because I was speaking of the standpoint that I wasn't a mark. You know, I wasn't the next door neighbor. I wasn't the guy passing through the house jogging. I didn't see anything. I wasn't there. I'm not going to sound like everybody else that act like they were because they believe what they fucking see. Uh, last night was the first time since this incident that I've heard people that were in Nancy Benoit and his personal life. And I always felt like, it's like back in 2017 and people were shocked that Chester from Lincoln Park passed away. People didn't want to believe it. And a friend of mine, a supporter of mine, his name is Trevor. And he was, like myself as a fan. And he didn't want to believe it. He's seen the tweets, he's seen the news. He didn't want to believe it until he heard from the bandmate. Someone that knew him personally. Until you hear confirmation from someone that you knew personally, that's when shit's real. You know, for years, I've seen people, they throw their judgments. They assume they do this and that. They have their own opinion. And granted, everybody's entitled to them. But if you're going to sit there and act like that you was there because of what you see and what you hear, then you're part of the fucking problem. You see, I'm going to keep it real with you. I'm going to shoot here on this podcast. You see, I'm usually that calm, cool collective. I'll throw a, you know, throw a shade of joke here and there. But if there's anything that I will keep on a personal level with this, and that's a very, very very huge lesson that I got to keep thinking to myself, knowing that I'm a married man and that I know about my past, my physical past. You know, I always kept down low to a lot of people because I feel like they didn't deserve what I, you know, they didn't deserve to know what I do. I did mixed martial arts for a long time. Started from my father teaching me for what he knows and I took it and I advanced myself. Did I get hurt along the way? Yes, I did. I in separate occasions, had seven concussions. Damn. Seven. So I knew that if I kept going, and mind you, when I, was, when I was doing this, I was going through so much in my life, it was a therapeutic thing. So it's like I kind of understood the aspect that if you don't know anything else to cope with your pain, you have to do what you know how to do. And that is what Chris Benoit did. He left the funeral and went to go wrestle in Europe because that was the only thing he knew how to do. And granted, if you do that, yes, mentally, there's something wrong with you, especially if you had them concussions. But with me, it wasn't the, the same route of depression. No, 
I didn't lose nobody in death like that, you know, death like that yet. But that man did. Now, I have tons of people that came to me in my life that said that they were there for me and then they showed their ass to me. But Benoit had this one guy in Eddie Guerrero. And once he died, so did Benoit. He just didn't know when yet. You know, it killed me watching his son. And I, and he's the main person I paid attention to from part one to last night. And I noticed he kept it strong until it was time to talk about the outcome and the aftermath of the action of his father, the news, the reliving, basically telling the world what he goes through. It's like he finally hears himself saying it and it's hitting him all at once. And the thing that caught me the most is when he hugged his aunt and he said, it's too real. You bet your ass. It is. And this is real. This is a real issue in this world. Not only in professional wrestling, but in general. This is the shit that people go through. And yes, some people choose in, other, in others' eyes the cowardly way out. I get it. For those that's listening, I get you. Don't get it twisted. But you try living in Benoit's shoes. And I'm taking a risk saying that. But fuck it. Try being in his shoes. Have the same emotion and connections with the same people that he had. The same emotions he had. And then lose your best friend. The only person that's been there more than your wife and more than your kids. Through your down times and through your out times. If you don't understand how it is to be mentally lost, but you live your life following everybody and kissing everybody's ass, and then you want to go ahead and just say these things because it's just, quote unquote, oh, fun to do. Then once again, you're part of the reason why people like Benoit, people like anybody else that's going through depression, people that's going through self-esteem problems, low self-esteem problems, you're part of the reasons why those people fucking exist. But you will not accept responsibility because it's easy to point at those that do these things. Now, I'm not justifying his actions, no. I've been bullied. I've been in a position where I don't like myself. So do I, be, do I blame Benoit for just feeling like he can't trust anybody? No. Does it suck that his passion in the way, his, in the way of life and the way how it ended, does it suck that his family has to be basically given the cold shoulder by the one company that made his father a fucking star and the reason why they was living a happy life to begin with. And thank God for people like Jericho and Chavo Guerrero. Class act. True professionals. Friends. And Jericho, you see where he's at right now. 
but it's clear he never forgot where he came from and who his real supporters and who his people were. So in my intake, in my final say about how I feel about part two and what I think of it, listen, everybody did a phenomenal job. And I know that if there were some people that were conflicted to say what they wanted to say negatively about Benoit, I don't blame the confliction. But also, if you feel like, you know, he does, you know, he deserved to get shitted on and say shame on him and this, that, and the fourth. If you feel like he deserves that, then by all means, I'm not stopping you for saying that either. Everything I'm saying, I'm not stopping anybody from doing or thinking anything. Actually, actually, no, I'll take that back. I'm not stopping anybody from saying or feeling anything. I'm just asking to just use your brain. There's a reason for documentaries like this. For us to speak the way we speak right now. So that's my piece. I want to thank you too very much for being here and really give you your real deep, hard, dedicated thoughts about the matter and about this episode. And um, first things first, Chris Jericho is one of the greatest humanitarian person people in the world. Thank God for him for multiple reasons, nonetheless. Period. You can never question his, his dignity, his character, his mentality, his leadership, his kindness. He's everything rolled up in one. If he was running for president, I will vote for him. Back to move forward. Um, part two of this documentary really shocked me. And, um, for the people, listen to this, um, for the outside people that really do not know wrestling like at all, something once struck me about this documentary, and one of the author of, uh, of his um, Chris Benoit's novel, he did point out that Harley Race had once started doing the flying headbutt. He stopped that because we were fear that a paralyzer would be in the wheelchair. Generation later, Dynamite Kid do the same flying head, but off the top rope throughout his whole career. At the very end, he ends up in the wheelchair. Now, with Chris Benoit, he does the flying head, but for his whole entire career, he ends up killing his family and killing himself. Mind you, he pointed that out. So for generation to generation to generation, this these people are telling people not to do it, but yet they're still doing it. Why? Why is my main question for that one? That means wrestlers should have been banned certain maneuvers like the power driver and several other moves that are banned because it's happening to someone's body and health. Short-term or long-term. No matter the fuck what. Period. As we go into this documentary, how the follow-up of finding out um, that he was not there after the TV view and not for the TV taping to find which by description by detail 
how they found Nancy, how they found Daniel, and how they died. And then finding him where he was at, where he died. First off, I tapped out when the author gave a vague description of how he used the metal weight bars to do everything. But the details and stuff about each particular person's death and why he left the Bible there. And what he was researching throughout that time on the internet, obviously internet, URLs, just catch up to you there. So for me, it hurts. It hurts me because I know someone personally, one person who went to English high school with us, me, me a young blood, me Ishmael. He's on the football team for English high school. And um, back in 2015, he hung himself. So this hurt me in a way that it, re- it made me reminded me of him and how I went to his funeral. And I could just remember seeing the marks around his neck. And I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. In front of my high school colleagues, I couldn't do it. I lost it. I started crying. Like, damn, bro, really? Maybe he had a concussion. You know, he maybe he had concussions too. I don't know. Maybe I mean I don't think the family really thought of it like that. I think it was more of a mental illness type of approach, but maybe that could have been the cause of it. And that's what kind of made me think about that, but I don't want to talk about something deeply personal like this because, God willing, I could have talked to one person who was closest to him and probably would have said this, and maybe he probably would have agreed, maybe not. That's not my place to say. Uh, big, big, big ups to um, his son for staying strong and going through the trials and tribulations, all the stuff, the media, what they're projecting about his murder, and then soon they're figuring out um, how they died, and maybe this, and that, they found steroids in the house, and all that type of stuff. But the one person that gave me the most confidence in this theory was um, Chris Lewinsky. As y'all remember, he was on Raw back in the day. He's from like maybe 2004 to 2006 and then he left because he had gotten concussions before. And he started a book. Yeah. And as y'all see in one of the clips, Chris Benoit talked to him about that book. That he had concussions and maybe that he had theories about the same thing too. So they ended up connecting and, you know, talking about it, but couldn't really talk about it because of the how, you know, Damaged brain plus steroids can cloud a judge's mind, and sometimes you might talk to the person that you think that you're talking to. And they never reach each other ever again after that. But thank God for him because he hasn't retrieved his brain. Thank God for Chris Benoit's father for giving permission to do that. To retrieve his brain, to study it, because he had a theory that this would have been CTA. Boom, there it was. It plain, it plain as day. As much as Nick Nick said earlier about um, several other people, several other people in the NFL died from that too. As they documented last night, two football players and one of the football players was doing a high speed car chase on a freeway from the police on the opposite side of the road and crashes to another car and blows up. 
that's how powerful and effective mm-hmm. that these CPs can be, and no one can see the signs until it's too late. Hence the whole with the whole dementia comes into play. Maybe he did not know who he was those that that weekend. Maybe he didn't really know who the hell he was coming home Thursday. If he was home that whole weekend, maybe he was on the phone with Chavo. Maybe he did not know who the hell he was just talking to. But he said, Chavo, I love you. But he kind of knew, like, this is, like, my last, like, my last rod. Like, please convince me. Like, come to the house and do something. Like, I think that was his last grip before he sucked into that darkness. And right after he got that phone, it sent them to a text message. Yeah. I think that was when Christmas Wall was just not Christmas Wall, period. Can I, can I, point blank, fucking period. Can I hop in for a second for my thoughts on that? Um, I'm. I think I think he was fully well aware of who he was. I think he was fully well aware of who his son was and who Nancy was. I think between the problems with his brain and the pure paranoia and losing Eddie, and he became very religious because of Eddie, and he wrote letters to Eddie saying he would see him someday. I think with all the paranoia going on, he thought it would be better for him, his wife, and Nancy to go and be with Eddie in heaven, and I think that's why he did it. I don't think it was he snapped and didn't know what was going on i feel like his brain damage forced him to justify in himself that taking his life and nancy's life and daniel's life will just bring them up to heaven with eddie that's just my thoughts on it okay no i mean and i'm i I was slowly getting excuse me i was giving the description for the for what was to say that i don't understand or don't study the case. You like, you know what I mean? Like last night was really like actual crime scene photos. Yeah. Of the house. Why? Would so we really did not know what was really well, what was really there at that moment. Why was there a night? We don't. We. Bed. That's what I want to know. I feel like that was planted, but you know, being optimistic as I am, I'm not really going to say that. They still didn't. Um, I wanted to know, which obviously, how could they know? But I want to know how would. Did he just let Daniel just roam the house for a whole day while his mother was dead upstairs? That's something that I think about during this documentary. And obviously, they didn't have the intel or anything, but it's still. But why? It's what I, well, I want to know is was he even in the house? Like, did he come home Saturday morning? Maybe he was somewhere else. Like, what happened? Like, did, like what were the phone? What were the other phone logs saying? Like, maybe he reached out to Daniel or something like that and told him to come back home. From wherever the hell he was, I don't know. We don't know. You know what I mean? Like they only give certain transcripts about his camera using the house defending the family, but what about everything else? You know, what about that whole three day? What if he used the phone? Just like you used the, just like how you got the whole computer information. What about the phone? You know what I mean? That's why I felt like they could have dug a little bit more deeper. But as we go into it. The one thing that I noticed, I'm pretty sure that y'all noticed it too, Dean Malika was shaking during the whole interview, the second part. Yeah. Did y'all notice that? Yeah, I did, actually. Gave me yeah. two. Now, it gave me two red flags. Why are you shaking during an interview of, of one of your friends, even though you know the situation, but from a standpoint that it's been years later from that, I think you're not at peace with it. So this bothers you that you're talking about. Oh, you don't know he got that. Now you're talking about that interview now, and you're doing it recently now, in this 
you know, time, but years and years down the line with PPE and everything else is that's why that, you know, you see sports now being safer for the athletes now. But, and then I thought of the second thing because he does have Parkinson's syndrome. So maybe, maybe that came, or maybe that, um, like, look at or come into an effect, but I think if I know it's just shaking, like that gave me two like that gave me two things. Being in this interview either got you shook or you wasn't really prepared and you know, maybe that you take like medication or something like that. Because he does indeed have Parkinson's syndrome. So that's the one thing that I kinda know I just wanna throw that out there. But definitely I know it's that shaking. So I gave him a red flag. The two look the three legitimate people out of this whole entire thing was Nancy's sister, Chris Benoit's son, and Chris Jericho. Mm-hmm. The three, the three of them, and thank God for him for bringing them together when it was trying to keep when whoever the fuck that mystery source was trying to keep them apart. That was fucked up, and that's why I feel more fat thinking. That's what kind of made me separate from my older brother right now. I'm like, damn, like you know what I mean, like. Now we can't see each other because one person thinks about our father so negatively. Meanwhile, I thought about negatively, but I still gave him a shot. You know, why you believe what other people are telling you? Ain't living your life that way. Or whatever. But that's neither here or there. Um, but for this, for the athletes everywhere, from, the rest, from wrestling to football, every for every every injury comes with a price. Every injury comes with a price that we don't know about and it brings up these new hobbies that turn into inner demons and then becomes addiction. And this is what's the scary part about, you know, sometimes um when it comes to athletes, like you'll see, you'll notice, you know, the demeanor change, their attitude change, they're not once who they were. You know what I mean? It's just, you know, it's just so lost in tra- it's just, just so lost, it was so lost in transition that they didn't know what to do. Chris Benoit was one of those people that was just so lost from wrestling to life, drugs, injuries that caused this whole thing to happen, plus, you know, the exclamation point, the PT. And, um, this actually kind of struck me, but it struck me because how the media plays into the fact that it plays is so negatively. And WWE should be ashamed of themselves too, trying to cover their asses out of all that bullshit. And thank God that their stupid wellness policy sometimes works. Not all the time it works, but sometimes works. Even though I still believe it's still represented that still smoke weed, just not doing any hard, just not doing any harder drugs. That's why when they changed their whole diet, their whole lifestyle around, you know what I mean? That's why the whole wrestling game has changed. You're not seeing most big men anymore. You're mostly seeing these lean-built type of wrestlers that knows how to enjoy their body. To create a new lifestyle for wrestlers to live longer and still be able to wrestle without having to use the other shit. You know what I mean? So they're finding little ways to try to get them by. But and uh, my last thought about this, my last thought about this is just rest in peace to Chris Benoit, rest in peace to Nancy Benoit. 
Rest in peace to Jimmy and Wall. Don't forget Eddie. And in of course, rest in peace to AJL. It's like one domino fell and the other one got knocked over. And you see the relapse. What are your thoughts on uh, David Benoit, his living son, wanted to go by – because his, his middle name is um, Christopher, I believe. So he, he could go – he wants to be Chris Benoit Jr. in his, his wrestling career. How do you guys feel about that? I kind of don't – I kind of want to see that. Oh, like, okay. no funny thing not to be negative about it. But I just think because of the stigma that the media will paint on it and rebirthing this thing all over again and him having to go through it again or go through it in a new form of fashion, I wouldn't want that for him. Stick to being your your name. Well, the sad part is you he'll always I mean? have that stigma, regardless, just because of the Benoit name. And even if he did, which I'm glad he's still proud of his dad and won't change his name, but even if he did, he looks just like his dad. No, I feel you. I feel you. I totally feel you on that. And he definitely is definitely Christmas Wall's son. Definitely when you look at the face, that's definitely him. Spitting image. But to have Christmas but Chris yeah. Christmas Wall Jr. and going with that action wrestling as like the re the reincarnation <laughs> of Christmas Wall. Honestly, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? It sounds What's the one I want to say? How kind of spooky? You know what I mean? It just feels kind of eerie now because it's just like now it's like this ghost is out floating around each and every arena because there's him being there. And you're using Christmas Wall Jr. as as your wrestling name. With the previous year, if you were with anything, he can do it any way that he wants. But if you were to go to the majors and shit like that, I got to be careful with that. Yeah. I definitely got to be careful with that because, like I said, you might know what the feedback could be now that you're on the grander scale. You know what I mean? Oh, it's all going to be negative. Exactly. But what type of negative? Mm-hmm. That's the bad part. There's so many levels of negative now that it's like it's petty negative to extreme negative. Extreme negative is like going to war for going to war with a country that makes no fucking that makes no fucking sense, or you really have no thorough reason why. It uses the back door to do it, not going to the United Nations to do it. That's kind of like, you know, like that's extremely fucked up. Petty fucked up. It's like, okay, I just robbed it for a roach and a rollie. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I just say he's got to be careful about how he uses it. Please do not do the diving head, but do not do it. Don't do it. I know that you want to imitate that. I know that you want to. Keep his keep his legacy alive, but do not do it. You see what the hell you see what happened. There should be no theory about this. Do not do the flying headbutt. Three generations, oh, yeah. and you see how this thing, <clears throat> and you, know, you see how all those how you see how all those end up. Please don't be the fourth outcome. Don't be the fourth outcome of this. I mean, by well, by that's all I gotta say about that. By all means, use the fucking crossface. Absolutely. At least, yes, do the crossface, yeah. but just don't do the flying headbutt. That's all I gotta say about that. If you really want to do it, and do and, and for the main reason why I said do to not do that, 
to not do the flying headbutt anymore, period, bar none. I don't care what the situation is. I don't care if it was at a WrestleMania moment. I don't give a shit. You're not doing it. Just don't do it, dude. Because for, for medical reasons alone. Not because of the stunt and what could go wrong and all that type of shit, but for medical reasons, short term and long term. Exactly. I mean, because at the same time, you know, as, a, as I'm sitting here thinking, and you mentioned the, the generations of the move and the outcome, and I just sat and realized the only man that actually got lucky for a second chance was Daniel Bryan. Because I remember there was a time, and I guess looking back, I guess he did it so much to the point and made it into video games. He used to do oh, a yeah. method of his own. <clears throat> and then, and then, like later on, within because I remember strictly him doing it a lot in 2013. Look what happened right. the next year. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And then the 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 concussion thing, and I don't know when he came back in 2015. I honestly don't remember if he was still doing it. But if he was, look what happened again. He had to sit out a few more years, and he was lucky to do it. He was lucky to come back. And I think I haven't seen him use it since he came back. Maybe maybe I missed it in the end, but I don't think I've seen him use the flying headbutt since he came back. Correct me if I'm wrong, you know, but, hey, if you kept doing that move throughout your whole career, you're not going to live talk about it. I totally agree. And I mean that in two ways. One, you're not going to live a regular life because you're too busy dealing with the consequence of doing the move every single 365 days a year throughout your whole entire career. Or you're going to put yourself in the case of Benoit or anybody else for that matter with CTE and you're literally not going to live or you're going to end up being in a wheelchair like Christopher Reeves, the original Superman and you see how his was he just got knocked off a horse and then he got kicked and then mm, he got stopped on his back and that was it and he laid it wrong and then he never Never recover that, and that being the wish for the rest of his life. Young man too. Yeah. But um, wow. Um, any more thoughts? Any thoughts? Theories? Anything you guys want to say before we wrap this up? Um, no. I I, I basically said my piece. Young blood. So yeah, with that being said, with that being said, Humber- uh, Humberto, if I said your name right, you better stop doing that springboard fucking standing head, yep, but off the top rope, fam. I'm saying that right now. Oh, um, he, one quick thing. Uh, um, Trizzy brought it up a, a little bit earlier, but uh, Big Show, Chris Jericho, and Chavo Guerrero, when David said that only people from WWE, the only people that reached out to him after everything was those two. Honestly, big shout out to them. Definitely, definitely big shout out. And I miss I miss Shaw Guerrero, so I meant to shout out him earlier too, along with Chris Jericho for reaching out to Daniel, because those are the only two that reached out to him. WWE did not do shit. And didn't, it didn't even do shit for Nancy's sister either, 
which I find that fucked up as well. Absolutely. So, you know, so, so from two ways. So, I mean, they didn't do nothing for nobody. It was all family doing that shit. They legit didn't care. You know? So, they didn't give a shit. They, they quickly blackballed him the very next day by Vince. And I'm like, damn. So, whoever in there just sold out. All your own comrades, and you guys can't even look at it from a proper context. I'm like, what, what really happened before we judge him? Before we actually agree to this? But maybe they didn't have a choice. So, rest in peace, all three. Rest in peace. Sorry, guys. Um, I want to thank, I want to thank you guys for taking the time. Come on, this show really give us the real, real, raw, gritty, emotional discussion about this um podcast about this episode of um, part two of Dark Side of the Ring, Christmas War. Um, you can you guys can watch on for the listeners. You can watch on you um on YouTube right now. You can go on Vice dot com um, slash Dark side of the ring. Um, so the next episode is actually uh, the episode about Ninja, yeah. right? And that's debuting next. That's going to be insane. <clears throat> okay, so we're going to be learning about New Jack from the new episode of Dark Side of the Ring next week. Um, I hope they bring up the mass transit incident. That's what I'm hoping for. They got to. They got to at this point in juncture. There, there's many issues with him. But those two and him, the fraction of his skull and the mass incident, oh, yeah, they're going to drop that. There's no way. And obviously, we're going to expect that. And if we don't expect it, of course, we're going to be right here talking about it. Thank you, gentlemen, for taking the time out to give us the raw, emotional discussion of part two. It's always a good time, guys. I'm Shislansky. I'm Shislansky, the birthday boy, young blood, necro. Of course, for the stupid COVID 19, wash your hands, wash your ass, don't cough, don't cough near us, don't cough, no, don't cough near anyone. You know what? Just don't cough. If you think, or if you are really going to be locked up, do something productive with yourself, do something. Do something with your girl. Do something with your kids. Do something productive. Don't lose your mind. Don't worry. Doom Eternal and Animal Crossing. We're not sponsored, but they both came out. There you go. Something to do. <laughs> oh, man. And Smoke our meat. next episode will actually be tonight. Matter of fact, AEW Diamond and NXT. <laughs> which we're gonna talk More about empty that. arena shows. Oh, boy. But we're going to find out. Um, so we out. Catch us in the next episode of Off the Top of a Podcast. Please take care of yourself and each other.